Hello and welcome to ND Inspo, where our mission is to connect, grow, and inspire naturopathic doctors and students from all over. My name is Dr. Kirsten DeWitt, and today I have with me Dr. Aaron Edwards. Dr. Edwards is a recent graduate from CCNM, a Reiki Level 2 practitioner with a background in kinesiology and exercise physiology. Dr. Edwards recently released her first book called A Drink Called Mindfulness, How to Go from Hot Mess to Self-Aware Before 30, where she uncovers her own areas of growth through vulnerability and the tools she used to shift from apathetic to awake. In the intro of the book, you say, Dr. Edwards, spoonfuls of mindfulness each day has replaced my addiction to alcohol, has helped me grieve the loss of my father, and help me come to terms with my sexuality. And what I loved about reading this book, one was the courage it took to be so vulnerable and honest, because I think that sets a great example for any and everyone to learn from. Um, but also that you do provide all of these actionable tools for mindfulness, um, and it makes it so much more accessible for people who maybe they see the word mindfulness or meditation and instantly they're like, nope, not for me. Um, but you make it so accessible and doable um, through these five minute approaches. So thank you for sharing your stories with us and for, again, your vulnerability with this book, but also for all of those tools that you provided. Um, so. So thank you, Dr. Edwards, and I would love if you could first just kind of tell us a bit about what brought you to naturopathic medicine. Of course, yeah, and thank you so much for that beautiful introduction and um, having me here on your ND Inspo. I think it's a goal of mine to kind of inspire um, more and more people as I go, and this is one way. I'm so sorry my dog is like in the background scratching okay. at the door. My cat is probably <laughs> making an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, what brought me to natural like medicine? And it's a good question. I, I believe that there is a direct relationship between humans and the natural world, and the more that they are connected, um, with that, they're more grounded and more rooted in nurturing themselves. And so nature really, really does nurture us. And there are bits and pieces of nature in our lives everywhere we are, right? We, starting with, you know, our rituals over eating um, and those just around food in general to, you know, the water we wash our hair with every day in the shower or in a bathtub. Um, to you know the lakes the oceans the plants the animals and and the humans that we have relationships with uh in our lives so that really is a part of my my full belief system and i that brought me to naturopathic medicine but i you know i could stand here today and and say that i am very moved and very passionate by those things which i am but i'm also uh a thinker and the thing that moves me the most is that when I look at those daily doses of nature that we have, that we encounter, is that really we have less meaningful intention around the things that we call or deem to be important or vital to us. And, um, you know, we tend to turn an autopilot and forget that what makes us really alive is that connection with nature. And 
And so I was initially attracted to naturopathic medicine, I think for the knowledge that it, that it gave me, you know, about nutrition, about traditional Chinese medicine, about lifestyle advice, all those things. But what I didn't know is that going through the actual program would provide for me that lesson of how important ritual and discipline and finding joy in the present moment is through all the hardships and despite, you know, the ups and downs of life that we live. And that was, I think, the mindset shift that, that I learned on an overarching grander scale of my continued higher education. And I really truly believe that our medicine, this medicine that we so humbly, you know, teach to patients that has stemmed from a multitude of cultures around the world, be it indigenous, um, traditional knowledge, you know, Chinese medicine, whatever it is. Uh, we as naturopathic doctors are, are doing that around the world using the lens that works for us, for each of us. And so that's, that's really what I gather from all of this and, and what makes me really, really attracted to naturopathic medicine because it is that holistic kind of approach. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite things. And one of the reasons why I was inspired to make this podcast and this platform is because there are so many different ways that that lens that you say that we view naturopathic medicine from. And I love just kind of seeing each different way that people apply to apply it because um, we have so many tools. There's, I mean, we have the foundation and then you can build upon that in so many different ways. Um, and so I just love hearing how people have done that. And it sounds like for you, you've really you've really taken hold of the, the mindfulness aspect. And well, I, I love that because there are some NDs who, who are aware of mindfulness and they want to um, incorporate it into their practice, but maybe it's not at the forefront of what they do. And so what you've done is created a tool. You've created this book that, that they can also use for their patients. And so this would be a great resource for someone who maybe that's not how they want to spend time um, in their practice. Um, that's not their focus. And so now they have a reference tool, something, okay, well, I know that there's this great book and it's written by a naturopathic doctor and there are naturopathic uh, practices in there. Like you talk about hydrotherapy and forest bathing and all of these things that we know are very helpful. Um, but you actually give a step-by-step -step of how to do those and how to apply them. So you've really created a great resource, not just for, um, those in you know about to turn 30 or before they're 30 but for um, patients and practitioners who just want a resource to um, develop more mindfulness skills so so thank you again for for creating that resource for us all yeah thank you and, and it was really a labor of love I, I did you know I remember back in first year of um, I went to CCNM so first year of CCNM and I really like, we had to do those like simple little handouts for patients on hydrotherapy when we were doing our course. And I just thought it was so magnificent. And I used that. I actually went back in my notes and looked and I said, I want to tell people about all the benefits of hydrotherapy and why it's so important. And, and, you know, you don't have to like dive in a lake in the middle of winter. Um, you can use your own shower. You can use your own bathtub, you know? So, so those oh are a little good. simple. I mean, we, I live at least by, 
um, the lake. So yeah, it's definitely something we do around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I definitely want to incorporate that into uh, into my routine too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you certainly don't have to. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I am kind of, I am curious, why did you choose to kind of target this towards those under 30? Um, why is it so important for, for that age group to really embrace this mindfulness practice? Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, girl. So <laughs> let me tell you, okay, let me know if, you know of one person in our age bracket, and, and we're millennials, by the way, so yeah. like, like 25 <laughs> to like 36, 38, you know, um, age bracket that hasn't been hit by the shouldering of the brunt of their education, of their debt, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, of unpacking unfamiliar, or sorry, familial trauma, you know, like that, that whole aspect. Um, of huge changes in technology within our lifetime, you know, within our, the past 15 years Mm -hmm. and the use of personal devices in that. And like, what else? (laughs) Tell me a person who hasn't been hit hard by joining a workforce that has more generations in it than ever before and still expecting to succeed the same way that people have before, you know, um, of working in a, in a gig economy or having a side hustle mm. just to tick the boxes of the expectations of our parents or society or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we are challenged so much to, to release our limiting beliefs around lack, around abundance, around money, around self-worth. And we have so much to give, but we are constantly stuck and overwhelmed because of all this societal pressure. Um, you know, we're in that analysis paralysis mm-hmm. state constantly. And, you know, you tell me one person in our age group that isn't in that it's, it's crazy, you know, and I feel that the cat feels it too. It's like, <laughs> I just feel like it's so, I know I'm not sure if they can see. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like, not to mention, or at least like, like me, I wasn't really taught to be myself growing up and I grew up in a really rural town. So maybe that's, that's part of it, but you know, I wasn't taught to be myself, my, my queer, my badass, gender nonconforming feminine self. Mm-hmm. And there's no space in our medicine for that either, you know, to, to really learn about that aspect of it. And so I kind of wrote that, I created that reality for myself. Right. And, and I wrote that in the, in the book as kind of the first big hurdle um, that I really used mindfulness to overcome as a teenager. And then on top of all that, you know, as I was growing, as I was heading to university, um, my father received a cancer diagnosis and succumbed to that, you know, that physical, emotional roller coaster just nine months later. So I really wasn't prepared at all for all those changes to happen in my life and you know part of me really like you read it part of me died that day when he died and Mm -hmm. I never knew I I never knew how to bounce back or I never even knew how to ask for help and if that was me if that was me in this health and wellness realm that I'm that I found myself in already you know, what is it for, what is it like for other people that aren't even in this realm that don't even have those resources? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after a solid probably six years of um, drowning myself with alcohol and dampening my spiritual connection to earth and 
you know, subsequently all other living things. I, you know, I ate terribly. I was depressed. I was confused. I guilted myself. I victimized myself. I was that person whose, whose father died, you know, and, and life, my life was changed forever in that moment. And I was really perpetuating that stereotype of being a victim. And I still am that person. I still am that person whose life was changed forever. Um, but now I know how to, you know, after a very slow and painful process of learning in my 20s, I learned how to take back my own life. And, and you know, now I know I can be sober and not be ruled by my circumstance and that I needed to be down there doing that sort of shadow work for myself in order to really then know how to operate in a lighter way in like the, when I reach the light, you know, this is what I'm going to do. How am I going to elevate myself? How am I going to level up? And so you do that through mindfulness and through following your own kind of burning flaming passion for that desire to help others. And it, it really stemmed from that. I think that inspiration of for writing the book was, was seeing a lot of other people my age also going through so many different things, whether it be like grieving or, um, you know, moving on from one technology to the next to actual like physical relationships, um, emotionally with ourselves and, and who we are as human beings. And we go through so much before we're 30. You know, I, I always say like you, you grow, like you basically you, you hit 15 years old and you're like, okay, this is what the world is like. And then the next 15 years is um, like unpacking all the things that you thought the world was like, <laughs> you know? So I want to like, I want to be a guide for that person who's going through that. And I've always felt more of a connection with people my own age. Um, and so that was, that was the inspiration for writing the book. And I think the book, like you said, is, um, very applicable to people that are over 30 as well. Mm -hmm. And don't let that deter you if you are over 30 and you're watching this, but I really, really think that, it starts from when you're in your youth and when you have that ability to create that little bit of a formative mind, you know, that you can approach things differently. You are allowed to unpack stuff before you have a lot of bigger responsibilities on your plate. So yeah, that was the, that was the inspiration for the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've thought about that a lot too, that our twenties are really this time, um, at least for our generation where we have so many expectations for us but we also have so many expectations for ourselves because of all of those expectations. And, yeah. and it's such, and like you said, it's such this, um, it's just like one thing after another, you know, you're supposed to graduate school, graduate, um, college, um, those boxes. Yeah. yeah um, get married, like have kids, have a really successful career. Yeah. Buy you know, a house while you're at it, you know, yeah. the, everything. <laughs> Right, right. Um, and we're taking on much more debt than others. And then there's, you know, trying to maintain your social um, standing. And so I just, I know so many young people, they're, they're spending way out of their, um, their means to save base to like, live up to this expectation. Exactly. Um, and so there's that on top of their student loans. It's just, yes, it's a lot. And so um, I think that this is a, a great resource for, for anyone kind of going through any amount of that. Um, mm -hmm. 
and and you know it can really shape what you think about down the line if you're helping out this generation um, that will only help the generations to come and and those that they serve and work for the you know the the workforce that they go into it'll it'll help in so many different i mean it it, it spans every aspect of life right um yes i agree with you and yeah that's one thing i forgot to mention is that like yeah we have to start when we're younger because that really is you know the future and if we're if we're following the naturopathic approach to you know prevention is key and mm -hmm. that's really what it's all about is educating um people at a younger age to really be um the voices of change and the voices of of embodied responsibility that that we all have you know that we don't just like hit 40 and then all of a sudden we're like oh my god i like didn't realize my life was like this you know it's no it's the thing that we either we choose to ignore <laughs> we see it and then we just choose to ignore it and then it comes up in a bigger uh bigger way later in life or we can just unpack these things now here and now and, and really flesh out that and do that deep work which i which i love <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah or you think that you know well when i am 40 i'll have it all figured out <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, yes that doesn't come with an age so you may as well start now <laughs> exactly exactly it's just a number yes um so can you kind of um define for us what mindfulness is to you and um and how can we make it more accessible and approachable? Yes, yes, of course. I, I tend to live by kind of four pillars of what I feel mindfulness is for me. And, and the first is, is what the book talks about. It's building that awareness in a way that allows us to become willing to engage with our actual experiences of life. You know, whether that be joy, whether that be pain, whether that be sadness, anger, frustration, um, it's building that awareness in order to, instead of avoiding them, you know, just, just numbing out, really just feeling that emotion and turning toward it. And, and that kind of like follows into the second pillar that I really resonate with is that we, we can use this awareness to turn towards that resistance that we have. And, and when we see it, we can do it from a more grounded, more rooted space. Um, and, and that's really what mindfulness gives us is that, okay, we're here, we're safe, we're in this moment. And I'm looking at all the things in my life on a screen versus I'm in it, I'm like, oh, I'm frustrated, I'm, you know, I'm confused and whatever. Um, just stepping back and saying, okay, I'm using this awareness to really turn toward this emotion and seeing it but I am safe to deal with it here and now. And, and yeah, so can you see like why this is so key for a generation that literally can't stop working <laughs> and is well on their way to burnout? You know, our millennial generation is just conked out right now. And yeah, I know so many people that have like had way too much coffee, like it's 11 PM and they're deciding if they should have coffee or if they should like, you know, take a nap to do more work. <laughs> and I'm like, it's 11, go to bed. Like, yeah. Yeah, and so those are the first two that that building awareness and then using that to turn toward um, the resistance that you have, and then the third one is being able to step back and realizing that what you're going through in that moment, in that very moment, is is just one perspective of of this kind of multi-dimensional experience that we're living. 
Um, you know, and there's always more ways to look at something than what we feel in our own head. So, and there, there's always kind of, there's always going to be a more positive, more pleasurable way to experience the things that we, we experience. And sometimes we have those negative connotations around the things that we should, you know, like, oh, my dad died. I, I should feel depressed. I should feel sadness. Although the moment he passed, I, you know, I was taken to this amazing, beautiful place of, yeah. of like, wow, this is heaven. This is actually heaven on earth. And I never knew that I could experience that. You know, I almost, I felt like I died and like got reborn. And, and so there, yes, there's like, it's, it's almost like seeing the yin and the yang of things, right? It's like that, that opposite spectrum of things. It's like, okay, you're in a dark spot right now, but wow, there's so much, there's so much silver lining to this that you can't even see it right now just because you're blinded to this darkness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and knowing that you don't have to change it right now, like just because you're feeling negative about it and, you know, you may feel like there is a positive at some point or another, um, you don't have to change it, but just know that that is there and that hope is very, very important for us as we move forward. So that's the third one. And then the fourth final um, kind of pillar of my own mindfulness practice is that mindfulness en enables us to engage um, in the more conscious choice of stepping out of that autopilot um, habitual behavior that I talked about earlier. And, and that's really checking in with ourselves and making a decision that's, that's so empowering, you know, and feeling like we don't have to always go with where the wind is blowing. You know, we can say like, I have this, I'm feeling this, this thought, okay, I should go here. Or maybe I can, my, my brain rationalizes it to go here because I know that when I open that door, I, I know what's behind it <laughs> versus, you know, I have the conscious choice to be like, oh, okay, well, I actually don't know what's behind that door, but I'm going to open it anyway and see what's there. And, and that is really empowering, you know, when someone can actually make that decision and not go, like we mentioned, tick the boxes that, that they think are correct, you know? And so that's really like resonating with, with your heart, feeling from your heart and your mind. And some people call it that gut feeling, you know, it's, it's actually your heart. It's, it's your, it's your like identity and you want to align that identity with your intention as much as you can. And, and that's kind of brought me to this term that I like to think that I coined myself. I don't know. I haven't done much research on it, but I like to call it intensity. And that's how we kind of put both of our intentions and our identity into one. And how can we do that? Oh, I really like that. Yeah. So I don't even know if that answered the question. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> Mindfulness. Yeah. That's, that's what it is to me. Yeah. And in the book, you kind of go through these, um, these deeps, these states of sleep. And so I'm yes. like, is that kind of where you reflected in those four pillars then? Um, because you go through kind of four different aspects of, of sleep. Yes. And, and that's where I think like, you know, I love sleep. I loved learning about sleep as a medical student. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so fascinating and I don't think we learned enough about it to be honest. Um, full disclosure, I've always been a super big morning person. <laughs> so take it or leave it, but I love sleep and I love getting my eight hours. I just go to bed really early and then just wake up really early. Um, but yeah, for those people who haven't read the book yet, 
Um, the book is really, it's divided into four parts and it's four kind of stages of sleep, which I thought were kind of like the most uh, important or the most, the things that resonated with me the most. So yeah, and, and that's kind of more of a metaphor for our own personal life, right? It's it's our own personal awakening in our life. So yeah, okay, I'll take you through this. So it's 9 p.m., you're at your laptop, um, still trying to get those last minutes of the day's work done, okay? So it's 9 o'clock, it's just starting to get dark, you know, Amy Winehouse playing in the background, trying to motivate you, whatever. Um, your eyes feel like sandpaper because <laughs> you've been staring at your screen for the better part of the whole day, you know, and, and finally there comes a time when you're like, okay, I need to like just close off this work and now I'm going to open up Netflix. <laughs> right. And, and we're like, what? Okay. Anyway, still continuing on with this, with this train of Netflix. So you're thinking that Netflix will kind of coo you off to sleep. You know, you, you start to nod off on your couch to like, I don't know, the sweet nothings of, Will Smith on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something. Okay, so it's like, you want, you, you want that, you know, that nice sleep, but you also want to watch the show that you think is hilarious. It's like, we're always trying to multitask, you know? So you're nodding off and you're in this kind of zombie like state, you know, this, this sleep like state where you're, where you're still on the couch. Like, you know, you're not ready for bed yet, but your body is like, no, I really, really need to sleep. And so that, that's kind of how the first part of the book starts out. Um, and like I said, we're kind of like, oh, should I get an espresso? <laughs> you know, like, should I have like this coffee at like 10 p.m. because I want to watch Fresh Prince <laughs> right now? <laughs> but I also need to wake up at 8 a.m., you know, it's like, or should I just go to sleep? And, and we really, sometimes we're stuck. We don't make that decision, you know? Um, and honestly, we have to remove ourselves from the couch, from the Netflix, from everything. And, and I think that's a state that so many millennials and probably the younger generation and maybe the older generation too, we're in, we're in that state these days. We're in that, like, you know, in this kind of, as I say in the book, that super califragilistic kind of like apathetic ocean uh -huh. uh, state where we burn the candle at both ends and, and we don't, we so often kind of, we're not actually looking to build our thickness of our candle. We're not looking to build resilience. We're actually just, you know, surfing Amazon looking for a longer wick. We're just like, and we want it right now. We want it like tomorrow because mm -hmm. we have Amazon Prime and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and just <laughs> it with all of the, like, I, I hope we, I wanted to touch on this later too of, um, you know, everyone's trying to increase their productivity. Like how can yes. I on in the day? Um, and then there's supplementation of like, this has 5,000 milligrams of caffeine and, <laughs> and 100%. vitamins and you kind of see the market shifting towards that. You know, if there's obviously an, a need, um, that's driving the market for all mm -hmm. these products to make us more, 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 you know, yes, more <laughs> this, more that we're not enough. Right. And that really yeah. comes down to, Oh, I'm not enough internally. I feel like I, I am not enough. Mm -hmm. And that really, really is painful, you know, to go through. And when we look past that, you know, I need more of the supplement or whatever that brings us kind of into the more like the second stage of, of, the part of the book that I emphasize as like deep sleep, you know, which is actually, I think maybe stage three of, you know, non REM sleep, but this deep, this deep depressive state where we really look and feel and think about all the things that we're 
um, not worthy of, you know, or that we like have this kind of like, we, we go from this apathy to, and like the zombie state of like, I, ha I must do this, I must do this, to this thick kind of slow molasses moving thing that we get stuck in. And, and we can really compare that to the deeper stages of our sleep every night. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, we kind of like, it, it feels gross, right? It feels nasty. It feels, it feels bad for us to let that catch up. And, but we really need to go through that deeper, darker, slower state of being in order for us to learn more. And I say in the book, like this, so this physiological state of sleep is, is actually full of Delta waves, right? Those, those slow, low frequency brain waves. And that actually Delta waves trigger empathy, feelings of empathy. Um, but I also love that they're called Delta because you know, we're science geeks. Think of what Delta is the Greek symbol for. Delta is the symbol for change, right? Like, it's so crazy that we just have these like brainwaves in our head that somehow got called Delta. I don't know where that came from. But coincidentally, your body, you know, generates so much change during this period. And we don't see it because we're just like, we're in it, we're thick, we're deep, you know, we don't, we're just blind to it. But um, yeah, physiologically, in that dark state of deep sleep, our growth hormone is the highest. And so, you know, we have this like depressed, deep sleep and, and we really just want to get out of it. But in essence, we need to learn how to observe that our body's just going through what it's going through. And we can really liken that state of sleep to, to that growth that we have, you know, this big growth that, that, that idea, like I mentioned that, like, we have to go through this yin this like dark night of the soul um feeling in order to feel what that's like because we live in like the world of the relative you know so we have to go like oh i see this now and now i know what the opposite is now i know how to be more young but also kind of balance it you know so yeah after that state is when we go into the dream state and and so this part of the book i really liked i really really loved um writing because i talk about what I mentioned about um, seeing heaven, you know, as a place on earth and, and really taking my father's soul to somewhere that he, he, that, that was his heaven, you know, and that was out in nature. That was with the sun setting. That was feeling all the wind in the air and the spirits flowing through it. And I, I, you know, I would, I would never wish that experience of death on anyone, but that experience of, of life for me when my father died was, so dreamy it was crazy i was like is this real i don't know did this happen is this like an out-of-body experience that i didn't know like i could even get there you know and, and that was like having my like part of my soul ripped out of me also really really enabled me to to go to that place you know um and so this dream state is is kind of the state where anything is possible and it's seeing the light at the end of the tunnel you know and, and you're not really there yet you're not at the end per se but you've been in this dark for so long and all of a sudden to to see that like tiny stroke of insight into why you've been there for so long you know it's it's suddenly you can you feel like you can create anything you like and that's really what we need we need to go through every night in our sleep cycle but also every you know every so often in our own 
personal lives because anything is possible here. Um, we need this state. It's so important for growth and developing resilience and hope and, and knowing that this is all part of that journey. So yeah, we go from zombie to, um, to deep sleep to dreaming. And then the last part, the chapters 10 through 13, I think, um, really, really explain the, the sort of awakening state that that beautiful open heart, open mind, um, discovery of self-expression, that establishment of identity, the shift uh, from being uncomfortable to being comfortable in our own skin. And, and in, this is the cycle that we go through in life all the time. You know, we, we are tired, we're exhausted. Um, then we go like we're depressed or we're having a really hard time with this one thing that we can't let go of. And, and then all of a sudden we see something that's, that's amazing, that's dreamlike, that's, that's possible. And then from there, we go into a higher state of awakening. We, like I mentioned, we kind of level up and, and that happens over and over and over again in our lives. And so I use that analogy of the sleep cycle to, to really demonstrate that's, that's what we go through in life and that's okay. And that's actually a natural rhythm. Mm -hmm. And even, I think one of the things that um, people miss with even the yin and yang theory is that it's not just yin and yang. There's yin within yang and there's yang yeah. within yin. There's these transition phases where one is greater than the other. And so it's not just, it's not just a, you know, opposition. There's this um, integration between the two of them as well. And so I think that is kind of reflected in these various states of sleep that you mentioned too, because again, they're kind of these transition phases, um, even within sleep. And, and they all happen with at various points in our life. And so you've really just provided tools for, you know, when you are going through these different stages, when you are feeling apathetic, and when you are, um, you know, I think, <laughs> what do you say in there? You, um, you just can't even... <laughs> I just can't even. That's like what everyone it. says yeah. all the time. So when you're feeling when you're feeling that way, you you provide tools to kind of help people, and and you talk about filters and these biases, which I think is very timely for right now. There's this um, awakening that's happening, and and people are really starting to hopefully, <laughs> yes, hopefully dive into those, those biases and, and those filters that we're um, born with. And so, or that we're learned. Um, and, and so I think there were a lot of parts in there that I just thought this is very timely as well um, for what we're, what we're going through between that and with um, COVID and just everything going on. Um, Yes. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I, I really love the integration between, you know, it's, it's not just, we, it's not just that we go through this dark night, this deep sleep, you know, this thick kind of feeling of, of like, I can't get anywhere. I just can't even, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Life is a constant struggle. It's, it's always like, Oh, but I see a little bit here. So I'm going to go this way, but then it's also a struggle again. And then we, you know, we level up and, and I really like to use also the, Maybe this is another book idea. So, <laughs> uh, but this analogy of the of the DNA strand, you know, and how we start, we maybe just start somewhere down on the bottom, near the bottom, and and maybe one specific event in our life is the thing that makes us um, grow, you know, and and so we we kind of think we get over this part, and so we go, whoop, 
and then we we're leveled up we're like okay i'm doing this i, I know the tools and then all of a sudden you get back to this place but on a higher level but it's still like oh my god i thought i dealt with this mm -hmm. i thought i you know i thought i did the things that that released this belief or this thought pattern or whatever it is and then we come back to it but we're still we're in an elevated state when we do that right and so the the cycle continues and it goes and goes and goes it's like yin it's more yang it's more yin it's more yang it's integrating it's a cycle and we can see that everywhere in our nature you know literally nature is an amazing amazing thing to observe you know the seasons of the year um they just keep going you know how how trees how plants really hibernate and we don't like we're part of nature too we don't give ourselves the chance to hibernate <laughs> really you know we're, we think we should be so productive all the time so yeah and it's, I, in our, a, it's in our own body cycles too that's been something that um i think we we don't look enough into our our own especially women our own physiological cycles that happen monthly and how you know how that kind of reflects the the cycles that go on outside and and how we can embrace that and kind of use it to our advantage because there are certain times where you know you might be able to tap in a little bit more to certain certain things at certain times of your cycle but then you see birth control and just all of these things that are kind of um maybe putting us into that apathetic state as well um and that's not to say all birth control but it's just more of like metaphorically speaking i guess it kind of it it's yeah and i mean we see the medicalization of of our human bodies you know of women's bodies especially when pregnancy um kind of moved into the whole sphere of the hospital and it's not safe to not give birth in, if you're outside of a hospital um and starting from there really and yeah that was the advent around birth control and i am pro-choice for sure i think birth control is so so important but also it's not really sometimes it's prescribed um to people who really aren't uh, like i don't want to say educated but you know an md might prescribe birth control to someone who is like 14 and they're not like you know they haven't done much work in terms of like okay like you know where am i going with this what what are the implications in 10 years from now or whatever and so those are the things that i think naturopaths do really well um and and yeah teach people to really hone in on their natural cycles and the rhythms and and we forget that as a society we we don't see that we think that you know i live in toronto and it's just constant go 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 here it's it's always yang you know everything is constant yang and it's just like blah, blah, blah. you know so i i feel that and i i feel i feel bad when i you know tell my coworkers that i need to take a break which is so weird you know i should be really honoring that i should be i shouldn't have that guilt on me and where does that guilt come from it comes from you know years and years of of that kind of societal norm um and, and yeah it takes a lot of work like we see right now in the world to become awakened and and to break down those barriers and and to not just throw a cog in the wheel but to reinvent the wheel to set that fire going <laughs> and just say goodbye to that whole process and you know that really hurts that's like oh that's so that's like that's the process of grief that we don't talk about either. And I could talk about that for a long, many minutes, but it's like, we don't know how to fully grieve our losses and then move on and, and create out of that something 
very new, something that we don't know exists right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to your example with the DNA of um, um, kind of leveling up. But um, I also love that you you did talk so um, so in depth about your experience with losing your father because you did experience grief at a at a different time, mm -hmm. um, and so knowing that that um loss and going through that is not always linear it's not always these the simple stages of um you know that are sometimes explained uh sometimes they they hit us at the most you know random times um years later and um i think i think you just opening up about that might allow other people to say oh okay so that wasn't just me that you know um yes that, that happens to you yeah and it's having that intention you know I, I wrote the book with that intention i was going to be really raw i was going to be really authentic because because i know i see that and from my reiki experience just seeing energies and and you know being in that which is totally outside the scope of naturopathic medicine so that's aside but I see that everybody has that light in them and, and it's so far down in some people, you know, it's so far down and, and it's not their fault. Um, and, and they aren't being authentic and they aren't being real with themselves or their feelings, not because of, you know, anything that they can really control. But when you see that, when someone acknowledges the fact that, Oh, okay, I, I've been through this and I reacted in a way that was outside of my control then all of a sudden the perspective changes and, and when that happens almost inevitably you start to see someone's light rise up you know you start to see their their true essence their true form their heartfelt wisdom that they were given when they were born you know that they're always given that we always have access to in the air in the wind in the water you know everything is is there already um and sometimes we search for answers in a way that's a little bit more, um, <laughs> you know, that we think we have to really have 20 research articles on to make it true for you. And it's, it's weird. It's a weird time that we live in. And I don't, you know, I don't negate the fact that science and, and discovery in that sense is really important. And, you know, having uh, randomized controlled trials that are um, consistent and like, you know, efficacious in that manner, but it's so, it, it makes us, you know, where do we see, um, where do we draw the line? Where do we see both sides of it? And it's, it's that beautiful essence. I actually just learned um, this concept in the Mi'kmaq tradition, which is um, an indigenous tribe in the east part of Canada, probably in the eastern part of the states as well. Um, and they're actually in Newfoundland as well, where I'm from. But um, this, this concept of two-eyed seeing. And so this, this, you know, seeing, okay, what can we learn from Western medicine and what can we learn from our own wisdom that has been traditionally passed down for generations and how can we integrate both of those together? And that's so much of what I'm learning right now is, is about that. It's all about like my whole twenties have always been about seeing the dark, seeing the light, you know, like seeing the opposites. And it's just crazy how much all of it integrates now at, at the time of, 
you know, 2020, this, this 2020 vision, 2020 hindsight, and it's, it's beautiful and a big mess and chaotic <laughs> and it doesn't feel good. And now we're in it. And yeah, I, I just, it's, it's more welcome now than ever though. And it's, it's so important that we do that work. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would also like, um, because this is, this is like a month of celebration and, so I would like if you could kind of share, because you brought up a really great point about your coming out experience and how that for a, a long time was just a continuing process. It wasn't like one time I came out and that was it, you know, all done. It was like every person that you met, every new family member that didn't know, um, you had, you continued to go through that process and and that happens for so many people um and so i'm wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit more to how you were able to become more comfortable with that um Mm. that process totally and and you know this speaks too much to a much larger um concept of establishing your own identity in Mm. general and and really like I said aligning your intentions with your identity and and so when I was yeah when I was 14 I started you know feeling these feelings and and like I said I grew up in a really rural town so it wasn't like I had any role models you know the the best role model I had was like (laughs) the l word at like 11 p.m on a Saturday in my in my like basement dungeon so that like my parents wouldn't hear me listening to this show, <laughs> you know? Like, um, and so like, yeah, I, I really want to acknowledge that it's not that easy to, to finally let a part of yourself go. Right. And I grew up in a Catholic um, faith in a Catholic um, household. So I think maybe a lot of people can relate to that in the sense that, you know, we, we start to push back. We start to like, kind of be like, oh, okay, this is not, this is not exactly what I know to be true. And, you know, why would I follow a faith that despises people who are queer? <laughs> right. And, and now I know, you know, I'm obviously more spiritual now and I've kind of reconnected to that and probably reconciled my differences in that when I was younger. But yeah, like you said, it's not something that that you just get over. It's a continual constant process. And it's a DNA strand. Again, it's that, it's that really like coming back to it every time. And it wasn't easy at the beginning. Um, it's a lot easier now, depending on the circumstance, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if someone's like shouting at me, calling me like, like terrible slang words, and I'm, I'm obviously probably going to react differently. <laughs> I don't know though. I would use my mindfulness practices. Um, but yeah, it was a constant, constant, um, kind of coming out to myself, I think at first, and it was like, oh, I'm having these thoughts. No, push them away. I'm having these thoughts again. No, push them away. You know, and it was like constant. It was like, oh, like all of a sudden to a point where I couldn't, I could no longer ignore them. Right. And so I, I, I thank the universe for giving me that experience. But again, it's not something that I that I would wish on anyone. And it's interesting because it's something that we have to go through. Right. I was, I was really going through like that, that deep sleep, that dark state. And, and when you're in it, it's so hard to reach out to people. It's so hard to, to look at someone straight in their eye and say, I'm gay mom, (laughs) you know, like you, it's so embedded in our culture. You know, we have such a heteronormative culture and, and, 
it's not always easy. And I think times are changing a lot. Times have changed so much in the past 15 years since, you know, since I came out. Um, but even that I, you know, every year in my teens, I had someone else to come out to, you know, I had a best friend that I had made that I really didn't want them to think that I was hitting on them because I was gay. You know, it, it's, it was really difficult. And even, it's hard to even talk about now still, because it was part of me that really grew so much in that, in having the practice of coming out, um, you know, day after day, thought after thought, <laughs> month after month, year after year, going to university, you know, having to share a room when I lived in residence with like another female, you know, it was like all those things coming out and it, it, it gets better with practice, I want to say, but also it's a weird time. And I don't think that that should be always the case, you know, and really when I look back on it in hindsight, again, that 2020 hindsight is that it's, it's important to learn how to move forward from the identity that you thought you were in. You know, and that's, that's really what life is, is, you know, if we have the same habits, the same, um, the same routines every single day, that's, that's living in the past, you know, that we wake up, we know at 8am, we're going to have that coffee with a coworker. And then we know at 9am work starts, you know, it's like, that is a past version of ourselves. And so I woke up one day and I was like, I can no longer be this past version. You know, I have to constantly create my new identity and that's still going it's still formulating you know two years ago I think it was maybe a year and a half ago I cut my hair I used to have like really long hair and I have never felt more empowered as a woman I've never felt more um in my like good in my own skin as like that feminine kind of like badass like <laughs> such a fierce woman mm -hmm. now that I have my hair cut you know and people treat me differently because of that and it's because maybe that I'm I'm learning to express myself more from the heart and and so you know if I were to do that again it would probably be a lot different <laughs> you know it was really slow and painful as I said just going through all that and then coming up to my dad and then him getting cancer I was like oh my god well like my struggles are nothing compared to that you know uh, <laughs> but it there's importance in every kind of transition that we have in life and it's there for for a reason and the things that we have encountered obviously are great teachers, probably the best teachers we know to have. And, and we often neglect those teachers and we just keep operating from a standpoint of, you know, I'm no, I'm in control. I have this, I have this life, you know, I have this past version of myself that I'm just going to continue to live. And then all of a sudden when I turn 30, things are going to be different. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I was fortunate and privileged enough to, um, you know, come out and, and be safe about it, you know, not be ridiculed. I was bullied, obviously, but not like super, like not physically. <laughs> I guess I'm still scarred from some emotions. <laughs> but uh, it's true that like, you really have to go through things and you have to see the dark, the dark side of it. Um, before we see the, the light before we grant we're granted that permission to really um, kind of really celebrate and focus on what good we've done and i think that's the part of pride month that is really over celebrated you know oh we like we're already here we've done this thing like gay pride yay and it's like you know people get weird when people say that 
um, gay pride is is political, but it's always going to be political. It's always going to be about that struggle that people face, you know, and it's it's always going to be. And now it's about Black Lives Matter and, you know, queer Black Lives Matter. And it is it's amazing that 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 that's the space that we've come to and we should celebrate that. But in the same breath, it's never it's not over. Right. And, and there are tools, mindfulness tools to help us get through that that part of our lives, that part of the world's humanity, part of that, that growth, that societal change, that paradigm shift. And I hope that we continue this trend of living in a, in a space that's more um, sensitive to the needs of the people that we don't always even hear, you know, that we don't always give the chance to be heard. So yeah, as a white settler, it might feel it might feel like offensive, <laughs> you know, to be in that space. And I, and I only speak from my experience with being queer and coming out in that, but in the same breath, I know that it's hard because it's all of a sudden it's reared its ugly head. You know, the things that we've said to black generations and queer generations has, has been, you know, close your door. We don't want to see you basically like shut your mouth. We don't want to see you stop breathing. Right. And that's really hard to hear when, when all of a sudden the tables are turned and it's flipped back on us, you know, we don't know what to do about it. And so, yeah, there are, there are ways to go about it. And, and I think mindfulness is probably the, the number one thing that we can do. And it's the simplest thing, the easiest thing that the five minute practice here and there, when you're washing your dishes, you know, you don't have to stare at the window and go on autopilot. You can actually physically like look at your dishes and <laughs> look at how exciting that sponge is when the soap pops out of it. And it's like, Oh, the water's so warm and delicious. You know, we can really feel like we can feel that. And that in itself, that 10 seconds of me just describing that, like how many of you actually went to that space, you know, went to that spot and were in that present moment. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it all starts. And I thank, I thank every single person in my life for giving me that experience. And, and, you know, I thank my past life for getting through that part of my life. And I know that there's going to be more struggles coming up. And that's, that's how it goes. And that's all we need to understand is that, you know, I'm leveling up on this spiral and I'll look at this event again differently with, with a new lens the next time I look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just think it's, it's really important to kind of bring awareness to all of those different levels of, of that experience because um, we do live in a heteronormative world. And so what you kind of described in the book at one point was, you know, once you recognized that you were queer, you had to let go of all of those, those biases, all of those norms mm -hmm. that were placed on you and say, mm -hmm. oh, like that is not the future that I had pictured uh or that yeah. i been told that had been pictured for me um whatever um and so just bringing awareness to to that because then there's almost a grieving that will happen of of that not just that realization it's not just oh i'm queer okay it's you know it's not just it's not, yeah, just, it's not that. just that it's like no we have to constantly keep doing the work right. yeah and there's just a lot of different different levels that I think people who 
don't personally experience that, um, I will never be able to fully understand all of these different experiences that those in the LGBTQ community or those and, uh, that are in the, the Black American community, I will never be able to fully understand, but, um, but I, I think it's so important to, to try and to, uh, to build that awareness and to listen and to um, do what we can um, just to, to acknowledge because as practitioners and just as a person living, um, <laughs> there are people walking around with these, with, with trauma of all different types. Um, yes. And, and so learning and, and just bringing awareness to, to those experiences, I think can give you a little bit more compassion to, what someone may be going through so that you can be a better ally so that you can take those steps to um to help make those experiences um hopefully more comfortable <laughs> so that they're not you're not experiencing a, a constant uncomfortable situation over and over again um, exactly and i mean that speaks on so many levels to so many aspects of naturopathic care that we have. I mean, just in general, our immune system responds when we're exposed to, to something that's hard, you know, that's something that's uncomfortable. And that's actually what makes us grow and develop an immunity toward that substance or virus or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's so funny that you say that. And just in general, like, you know, hydrotherapy, it's cold, it sucks. You know, why would we do that? But it's, it's such an immune boost. It's such a like release for our bodies and, and we often just like rationalize it and say like, nah, I'm going to just not do that today. But there's so much work to be done always, you know, always. And it's, it's a constant learning curve for me too, you know, and, I, and I've been in this, I've been in this community, the queer community and like learning and, and unlearning so many things since I was so young. And I really like the, the adage of, you know, you can, you can only take someone as far as you've gone yourself. And so mm -hmm. I carry that. I carry that with me every day. I, I carry that with me in the things that I do and the people I talk to and the things that I learn because everything that we do is really an experience of our own self-growth. And if we have not taken the measures to do even just a little bit of that self-growth, we will not be able to witness someone else's self-growth. We will not be able to understand fully and like empathize fully with what someone else has gone through if we have not done a little bit of that work ourselves too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you've really, again, just created a tool for us to, um, to kind of step into that and, um, and start applying those practices and i think even as practitioners we might know many of these practices but um, maybe we're not applying them as often as we could or maybe we still think that they're kind of far out of reach for us mm -hmm. um, you know because we're all trying to get so much done every day but it can be as simple as a five minute walk or uh, breathing, um, 
there's just so many great tools that you provide for us so so thank you and and thank you again just for your vulnerability and your honesty I think that is such um, we I spoke with dr. Crapley recently and that was just a really big takeaway was unless you're honest with yourself um, and able to be honest with others then you won't be able to create that space and it's a lot um, speaking to to the adage that you just mentioned uh, you won't be able to create that space for for your patients or for for others for your friends you know and there's just so many areas that it applies to in our life um, so so thank you for that yeah thank you and, and just to play off that I, I think that like it really impacts us more than we intellectually understand right so you know when we create that space and when we create that learning in ourselves and the, our you know our energy shifts our energy changes within that office space you know that chair that yoga studio wherever it is that we are it, it changes our aura literally changes and it's beautiful to see that in so many people and and we don't even know that that impacts the the energies around us you know the energies of others that have signed up for our yoga class or meditation class or whatever and it's it's really about you know doing that work yourself but then also being in a space where you're able to witness um, and become that witness for others who are on that same kind of self-development journey so it's an honor it's really really an honor and a privilege to be in the space where we are right now and we we tend to forget about that mm -hmm. i agree and so i just want to wrap this up with what keeps you inspired in naturopathic medicine and the future of healthcare? nice great question um <laughs> you know i'm confronted every day with a lot of things that keep me uninspired <laughs> or that keep me unmotivated to keep going um but yeah i think i think it's that deep work that i mentioned i think it's really that um looking inside of ourselves inside of myself inside of our naturopathic medical um self that we've created you know that society that we ourselves are, are akin to that maybe not the general public have eyes on and that's the future of our healthcare. you know that that deep work that we must really start appreciating more um and like i said because we are we do become witnesses for our patients and honestly that's sometimes that's all people need they don't need that 5,000 milligrams of whatever it is it's like that's people just need to feel supported and feel like they've been seen and feel like they've been heard and and when i see how naturopathic doctors listen to their patients and and practice their work in a way that it that's that two-eyed seeing you know they see what what that patient is experiencing and also they draw from their own knowledge which draws from so many other types of knowledge and cultures and traditions that that we really have that space to work with people in a way that is so so self-evolved so much further evolved than ever before in our human race and that really keeps me inspired to know that you know that people go through hardships and, and they actually have a choice in the matter that they have the choice to go through this hardship or they have a choice to throw it under the rug and deal with it later and that's their choice and either way i'm not going to push them you know whichever and that's okay because people are you know they're on their own journey they're not on my journey so 
seeing them, seeing people make those decisions, seeing patients make those decisions for themselves, knowing that we are there as a medical support, yes, but also, you know, that social support, that, that general overarching um, witness, like I said, it's, it's, is beautiful. And, you know, people really take on their demons more when they feel supported. So that is, in my head, that's the real root of our medicine. It's, it's showing people that humanity is in our nature. You know, it's, it's actually physically and emotionally and spiritually and every other Lee, you know, it's like everything is like in our nature. And that's like I said before, like right at the beginning of our conversation, it's we experience we experience glimpses of nature all the time in the food we ate, you know, in the rituals that we have, and and it's about helping our patients establish a meaningful, meaning-led, purpose-driven, disciplined routine, whatever it is, that helps them grow. And we are those supports for that person at that time. So, uh, yeah, I I really want to just say that I'm so privileged to be in the space that I'm in and and we are also very privileged and I have the utmost gratitude for that and I also you know you have to really keep dreaming and keep seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and and for the future of healthcare I, I think that we're heading in in the direction of acknowledging acknowledging the natural world more and more and more um, seeing what we've done to mother earth and seeing what we have created and you know there's not all bad in that but now we now that we know now that we see we can take action towards somewhat you know reconciling that or not necessarily erasing it but but really being in a space where we can take action and move forward from that and say you know what i'm sorry i i can't believe i did that i can't believe that my forefathers did that you know that my ancestors did that and, and I am going to be better. And that's really where naturopathic doctors shine is that we have that, we have that scope. We have, we can tell someone, you know, this is going to be okay. We're just going to get you on track. And here are all the supports, you know, not just mindfulness, not just eating, not just supplements, every, all of it put together, not just acupuncture, you know, not just sleep hygiene, like everything put all in the one. That is so, so beautiful to see. And that's what keeps me inspired. Wonderful. Thank you so much for, for sharing. And is there anything else you would like our viewers, our listeners to know about um, mindfulness before we kind of wrap up here? Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually teach a mindfulness course. Um, now that you ask, I, I teach a three week, like pretty in, intensive course. Um, it's two hours a week, like on calls with myself and then obviously like the homework and readings and scientific journals, but also, you know, readings and book suggestions and stuff um, that we can do. And that kind of it's adapted from the book, um, but it takes on six kind of mindfulness practices that we can honor and do in our own life um, and kind of really create routine and meaningful ritual around those practices. So yeah, I teach that. Uh, I have a couple of clients already. So um, that's like fully in the works, um, taking people for waitlist. If they're interested, they can, um, they can actually go on my website, um, the Aaron Edwards.com. And, um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. If you just want like a, uh, you know, a, a, I call it make five Monday, mm -hmm. um, which is 
instead of taking five, you know, out of your day, because that's more of like a lack mentality. It's like, no, we create this five minutes. We create this five minutes for ourselves every Monday to really hone in on a mindfulness practice that we can do, whether it's just staring at, you know, a, a body of water and seeing how beautiful it is, or, you know, hearing the birds or breathing techniques or anything else. So, um, that those are two things that I would recommend. Um, and on Instagram, I'm the Aaron Edwards as well. And, uh, yeah, the book is available on Amazon. It's been doing really well. Um, only <laughs> launched it last week. So yeah, uh, you can find it. Just type in a drink called mindfulness. It's available in, in ebook and in paperback. So, okay. And they can that for find yourself that and for your patients. Yeah. And they can also find that through your website, right? If they... Yes. Yeah. It's also on our, on my website. Perfect. And we'll be sure to link those below in the description. Um, so thank you again, Dr. Edwards, so much for your time today and for um, your vulnerability, your honesty, for just sharing all of these um, different tools that we can actually use and apply and that are accessible. I really mm. appreciate the work that you've done and in your time. Thank you so much. Um, I want to end with saying that it takes a village to make change happen. It takes, yes, on an individual level, but also a village. So, you know, go ahead, grab your, grab your copy of the book, um, pass it on to other people and uh, let's make this change happen. Let's see more people grow authentically and be a witness for that growth and see the change that we really want to make in the world. So thank you, um, Dr. DeWitt, for having me here. And uh, I wish all your listeners the very best. Thank you so much. And thank you all for, for listening and for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and share to keep the inspiration going. I hope you all stay well and stay inspired. <laughs>